We've had Are You Online talking about God's compassion. Uh, it's the network dealing with hospitality, just uh, making sure that we're involved with each other, having people in our homes. And uh, my segment today is going viral. Now, the, the next slide uh, kind of give you a little bit of an idea as to my week this week. Uh, been a number of things that have been going on, but uh, it started out. That's not a mountain. That's my elbow. Um, had a few bone chips in there and a bone spur, and it was about the size of a golf ball uh, Thursday when I went to the doctor's. Now, if you don't like needles, you may not want to take a look at this next picture, okay? I'm just forewarning you, close your eyes, look down, whatever it is that you want to do. There were two of those drawn out of my elbow on Thursday, about 50 cc's of fluid, which uh, you can see it's not quite as bad as it was. It's almost flat. Then on a Friday morning, it's been, a, again, an interesting week. I had knee surgery on Friday. I, I don't know what it is. Now, I'm almost 55 years old. It seems like all the joints are starting to get out here. But uh, I had a uh, lateral meniscus tear, and the doctor must have been a wizard because, with the exception of kind of feeling a little swelling around the stitches, uh, I'm doing real well. So God is good. Amen. With uh, this morning, just kind of talking about the whole viral thing, Got a pop quiz for you. you. Guys ready? Pens and paper? I'm just kidding. This is kind of a pop quiz, though. But what are the flu? YouTube video of a sneezing panda, the iPhone, and being a follower of Jesus Christ have in common? Give you a second to think about it. Leave it to Henry, man. Cats out of the bag. I mean, that's exactly what's going on. Each of these is an example of what it means to go viral. Now, going viral is a common term among Internet users, and really it comes from the medical world. Uh, how many of us have had experiences with our own personal viruses? The only problem with those personal viruses is they don't stay personal too long. We end up sharing. You know, they're carried from person to person. One contagious carrier to another until it spreads. You know, and we've seen it. I mean, we've had a number of scares the last few years. There's the swine flu and the bird flu and West Nile virus and all these other wonderful things out there floating around. Uh, obviously, in uh, some of our uh, third world nations, you have really some crazy situations with things like Ebola, uh, things that can go from an epidemic to a pandemic stage. And I'm great we don't have that to contend with. But when it comes to viruses, next slide. Kind of gives us a breakdown here as to what we're dealing with. Uh, as far as definitions, any of a large group of sub-microscopic infective agents that are regarded either as extremely simple microorganisms or as extremely complex molecules that are capable of growth and multiplication only in living cells, and that causes various important diseases in humans, lower animals, or plants. Then the next one that we have is one that uh, in this day and age, uh, pretty much all of us with computers are familiar with. A computer program that is usually hidden within another seemingly innocuous program that produces copies of itself and inserts them into another program and usually performs a malicious action, as in destroying data. Kind of gives you an idea as to uh, what some of our uh, wonderful microscopic viruses look like and how quickly they can multiply and spread, more of along the biological end of things now. This next slide, have you guys uh, ever witnessed this at all on your computer screens? Based on a few of the groans out there, uh, 
Obviously, uh, that has been a, a situation from time to time. You know, today's message, though, reminds me of a television commercial that we had a number of years back. Uh, any of you remember the uh, Fabergé commercials from the 70s? Uh, Heather Locklear was one of them. There were a number of different individuals that were models for the particular product. Uh, I have one. It's uh, unfortunately not in high depth. That will be coming up here in a second. But when it comes to the term viral, we can see uh, the definitions here of relating to or caused by a virus, viral inspection or infection, or quickly and widely spread or popularized, especially by person-to-person electronic communication, viral video. Now, with this uh, advertising that we had back in the 70s, they I don't think they knew what the uh, terminology was yet, but obviously before high def. So we, we kind of get a taste with in that commercial, other, is, other than the kind of uh, wacky hairdos that were going on back then. I guess it's not as bad as some of them, but this gives us a taste. They didn't really understand the whole viral concept, but ultimately that's what we're dealing with today when it, when it comes to going viral. We see the multiplication, the exponential growth that come out of it. And the thing today is it's really changed up quite a bit in that it, gets, it, it deals with that word of mouth. Uh, you know, we have all the wonderful social media out there today. There's Facebook, obviously, YouTube, Instagram, all these different means of interacting with one another. And it's interesting how even the, from a standpoint of marketing today, companies have realized the importance of word or mouth-to-mouth, just individuals spreading the word from face-to-face, person-to-person. A lot of that ties into a lot of even the algorithms that are used today when it comes to uh, search engine optimization, search engine management, all the things that can get your product out there for people to see. Now, do we have any uh, Trekkies in the group? We got one? Well, I've got a couple more slides for you this morning to kind of give you the idea of viral and what takes place with that. The next one has had over 160 million views. And this is all by word of mouth. Now, it's amazing to me that over, almost, we're pushing 200 million people because this video is available. It's like, it started out, I think, five or six years ago, and then other people have placed it. So, you know, you'll see one with 160 million. There's another one with 20 million. There's another with 10 million. There's one with 6,000. I mean, it just keeps being put out there again. People copy and, you know, upload it. and I don't get it. Other than, obviously, there's no advertising you do to get people to watch this. It's like, dude, have you checked out the panda? And nowadays, we got our cell phones. It's like, check this out. You know, how many of you have uh, seen the uh, talking dog where its owner's kind of giving him a bad time about what he's doing with all the different food? I mean, the, some of this stuff's funny, but it's just amazing how it goes viral. Uh, the next one was, was uploaded about a week ago. At the point in time I saw it, there were 37,000 views. Now it's well up over 5 million, and this, this is for our Trekkies in the group. 
Let's give it a second. We'll go. <laughs> well, you know, it is called Into the Darkness. They just haven't come out of it yet, I guess. Well, maybe not. Go ahead and give it one more click, see what happens. Well, there you go. Uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and uh, move on to the next one here. Basically, it was the Star Trek uh, movie that's coming out, which, again, when it comes to word of mouth and things of that nature, it's interesting. Back in the 60s when I was a kid watching it on TV, uh, the show got canceled. And what's absolutely amazing is because of men and women that enjoyed it, started talking to each other about it, people were phone calling NBC Studios, there were letters and the whole bit, they ended up picking it up for another season. Obviously, we've seen what has taken place from the 60s to 2013. I mean, it's become a, an incredibly viable franchise, which is really interesting. Based on what initially came out, it was as good as dead after the uh, first season. There's uh, something else that we've got. That uh, How many of you guys have got iPhones? Okay, there's a few of you. Let's go ahead and do the uh, next slide there. Just kind of thinking through what it is that took place with Apple. Apple introduced the, uh, you know what, how many of you guys want to see the Star Trek video? Okay, can we go back a slide? That was a major tease now. We'll just go on. We'll just go on. We'll, we'll put it up for you later. But though, with the iPhone, it's rather interesting that it was introduced in 2007. Third quarter sales were 270,000 phones. Four years later, it jumped to 20 million phones. And today, people will put product in people's hands, and they find that that word of mouth, that face-to-face, can lead to just absolutely explosive growth. And that's exactly what took place with Apple and the iPhone. People get a product, they like the product, and it goes from not just being a matter of consumerism, but it's amazing the participation, the communication that goes forward with that. Now, To go viral is to catch on in such a radical way that the specific product that's involved or the idea or the event cannot not be talked about. I don't think it's really understanding that growth comes from participation, not consumption. This is something that Jesus Christ totally understood. You know, we think back through growth and these different things that have taken place through the centuries. Jesus took advantage of that face-to-face, relationship-to-relationship communication And with what we see with Christ, probably one of the first things we've ever seen that's had a scope of influencing the whole world, this is the most blow-away definition and example of what it means to go viral. One person to another person to another person, and so on and so on and so on. And I think really understanding as disciples, the moment we stop sharing is the moment we cease to participate, and at that point we ultimately end up becoming nothing more than consumers. You know, you may be asking, well, what does all the stuff that we've looked at this morning have to do with being a follower of Jesus Christ? And this is ultimately the way that our faith is intended to be shared and spread. It's intended to be contagious. It's intended to have that kind of an impact. And we can go back a couple thousand years and see that that's exactly the case. That's exactly what took place. At the time of the crucifixion, think back through this. We know that Jesus had 12 core followers, right? Actually 11, because one of them kind of took himself out after a little fiasco there with 30 silver coins and betraying Jesus. 
But early on in the book of Acts, we know that there were 120 believers. And until the day of Pentecost, the day that God poured out His Holy Spirit and the church began, on that day, 3,000 people came to the faith and were baptized into Jesus Christ. By Acts 4, the word's really starting to spread now about Jesus of Nazareth and how people's lives were being changed and how they put their trust in them, and they came to the faith, and they were baptized, and about another 5,000 more were added. So in short, we see the church go from 11 to 120 to 3120 to 8120 and growing. That faith was contagious. It's growing and spreading. It was viral. And you know, and it's not just the result of human contact. You know, it's not just some well-organized human effort that took place there 2,000 years ago. This whole experience, the transformation of lives, came about through faith in the Word of God and the work of the Holy Spirit. It's a God thing. And if God had not been in it, and if God is still not in it, then it's doomed to failure. So I think with this, we've got to understand that no amount of human effort or planning can change the human heart or bring about another to the faith. Faith is something that's always a gift of God. And the thing that I like about God is God likes using us. We have a purpose in life. We have meaning in life. Not only are our own lives transformed from whatever the issues are that we had in the world. Maybe you didn't grow up in the greatest family situation. Maybe you had a single parent, a single mom, a single dad. Maybe there were abusive parents in the mix or abusive relatives in the mix. You know, maybe the situation through school wasn't the greatest for you. Maybe you're not super excited about where you're in life right now. But you know what? Through Jesus Christ, for those of us that have come to that faith and have had the opportunity to hear that viral message, our lives have been transformed. Our lives have changed. God has given us so much more through the blood of Jesus Christ. So going viral, it says it's an object, even an immaterial object is considered to be viral when it has the ability to spread copies of itself or change other similar objects to become more like itself. When those objects are simply exposed to the one that's got the virus. And again, isn't this an exact representation of what Jesus Christ has done? You know, an exact description of what Jesus himself, the impact and the connection, when he came into contact with other people where it went. See, Jesus wants to spread copies of himself, people that accurately reflect his image. And I think that's one of the challenges with Christianity today. There's a lot of people calling themselves Christian, but have they been infected by Christ? Is this what's reflected to others? Do they see Christ in us? You know, Jesus commissioned his people to become image bearers, his disciples, to change people just like themselves by being simply exposed to them. It's one of the things I love about 1 Timothy 4.16 where it talks about the significance of the word and that it talks about if we persevere in it, if we obey it, if we follow it, we'll save not only ourselves but our hearers. And that's the thing I love about our faith. Our faith is much better caught than it is taught. This faith of ours is intended to be contagious, spreading from one person to another. We saw that throughout Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria. The problem is, I think with any vaccination, we can be vaccinated away from real faith. Now, what is a vaccination? Don't they take dead material, 
A dead virus? Isn't that what's injected into our bodies to give us the ability to build up an immunity to it? And I think it's the same thing when it comes to Christianity. Those vaccinations that we get against viruses, it's the real stuff that we're getting. To go viral is to get catch on in such a radical way that your product or idea just goes nuts. But when it comes to our faith, we get that material, that vaccination ourselves, we can get just enough exposure to the dead practice of religion with a weak and wimpy Jesus or a Christianity that's watered down, lukewarm Christianity. It's all about grace. You can live your life however you want to live it. Do whatever you want to do. There's absolutely no repercussions to it because in some way, shape, or form or another, you know, maybe you'll have your sins burned off in purgatory. Or maybe you'll just be on an extended waiting list. But, you know, the bottom line is we all go to heaven, right? I mean, is that what we've been inoculated with? What does that lead to? It leads to a dead faith. You know, maybe the inoculation you got was one that was all rules and regulations. All legalistic do's and don'ts with no grace, no love or relationships. And then when that happens, we can be inoculated against a real experience with the living Christ. But that isn't what Jesus wanted. Jesus wanted that individual personal relationship with each and every one of us because he knew if we had it, guess what? We become contagious Christians as well. And it moves on to the next person, to the next person, and so on and so on and so on. See, real faith is not death-dealing rules, but a life-giving relationship with a living Savior, a living God. This is one of the things I really appreciate about some of the outreach that's been going on throughout our communities here as of late. Uh, This past year, 2012, was phenomenal on so many different fronts, you know, with the advent of our champions of the poor and getting back into the community and really having an impact. That's being like Jesus. Jesus touched people. As far as the uh, members of this congregation are concerned, how many of you guys had the opportunity to touch someone last year? So let's go ahead and see some hands. I mean, this, this kind of involvement is awesome. I really want to commend you guys. On a monthly basis, we have projects going on throughout our areas here in the South Bay area, giving others the opportunity to experience Christ. See, Jesus demands our participation if we're going to claim the name Christian. Luke 24, verse 47, it reads, In repentance, forgiveness of sins, would be proclaimed in His name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Now, we're witnesses. Do we know what we've seen? See, if you're not into your Bible, what do you see? I mean, John 1 talks about how Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, and the Word are really all one and the same. If we're not reading our Bibles, we're not having a whole lot of that virus rub off on us. How can it go on to the next person? We need to make sure that we're involved on that level. That, that repentance is something that continues. That we can talk about how we've repented, how our sins have been forgiven, how we have the ability to live life to the full and be exactly what Jesus calls us to be here. Witnesses. But you've got to know what you've witnessed to take it to someone else. In Acts 1, verse 8, it says, You receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will become my witness in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is the beginning of things going viral. This is what I love about the book of Acts. 
You know, we read in chapter 7 and 8 how the gospel message went viral. There was this incredible catalyst that started with the persecution of Stephen. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the Greek word for martyr is the same word for witness. Again, the Greek word martyr is the same exact word as witness. And that's what it meant back then. I mean, it's amazing how Stephen, by taking a stand, was really the catalyst for the word getting out to the known world at that point in time. Stephen was the first to die for his faith. And after that, that grace persecution touched the church. And in chapter 8, it just goes nuts. It just starts spreading out all over. And really understanding that what we're called to, what we need to really take a stand on through Christ. We're going to go to uh, Acts 8 and verse 1. It's shortly after the uh, well, when the persecution had started, but we see Saul here. This is the catalyst with Stephen in uh, verse 1. It says, Saul agreed with putting him to death. On that day, a severe persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout the land of Judea and Samaria. Devout men buried Stephen and mourned deeply over him. Saul, however, was ravaging the church. He would enter house after house, drag off men and women, and put them in prison. So those who were scattered away, on their way, preaching the message of good news. And we see witnessing taking place here. We see it getting ready to go viral. These individuals, these men and women that had been converted to the faith, those 5,100 or 8,520 that we talked about a little bit earlier, all of a sudden, they're forced out of their comfort zones. We know in Acts 2, they were devoted to one another. They lived with each other. They took care of each other. They met each other's needs. Now they're being forced out of their comfort zones, and they're actually in a position now where they're going to have to participate in what Jesus has called all of us to in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, to go and make disciples of all nations. So we've gone from seeing to watching, to saying, to doing. This commission of participation comes from Jesus' desire that we continue to grow and have even a richer experience in following Him. We see the Gospel go out from Philip to the Samaritans, then the Ethiopian eunuch. The Apostle Paul takes it to the Gentiles. And then picking up in Acts 26 here, we'll see more results from Jesus witnessing, taking the good news viral. Acts 26, verse 13, Paul recounts his exposure to this contagion and infection. In verse 13, it says, About noon, O king, as we were on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me. And my companions, we all fell to the ground, and we heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Then I asked, Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen of me and what I will show you. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, so they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. First to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem, 
and all Judea and to the Gentiles also, I preach that they should repent and turn to God and prove the repentance by their deeds. That is why the Jews seized me in the temple courts and tried to kill me. But I've had God's help to this very day, and so I stand here and testify to small and great alike. I'm saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses said would happen, that the Christ would suffer, and as the first to rise from the dead, would proclaim light to his own people and to the Gentiles. At this point, Festus interrupted Paul's defense. You are out of your mind, Paul, he shouted. Your great learning is driving you insane. Paul's got the virus. I am not insane, most excellent Festus, Paul replied. What I am saying is true and reasonable. The king is familiar with these things, and I can speak freely to him. I am convinced that none of this has escaped his notice, because it has not been done in a corner, King Agrippa. Do you believe the prophets? I know you do. Then Agrippa said to Paul, Do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? Paul replied, Short time or long, I pray God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am, except for those or except for these chains. It's really interesting to know that the background on Paul, Saul is a Pharisee, coming from a wealthy background, basically a defender of the Jewish faith, an attorney, catching this infection, a guy that was persecuting Christians, that was going out, dragging them out of their homes, giving them the approval for them to be put to their death, all of a sudden is in a position where he has become infected with the faith. If Paul could become infected, anyone can. And then he goes on to be the most contagious, viral witness for Christ the world had ever known. You know, the, uh, I got a little ahead of the slides there, but we have a map of the known world. He basically got throughout Europe, Asia Minor, portions of northern Africa. The word went out throughout the entire known world at that point in time. Just from a standpoint of the infection that he received, understanding the need to get it out to other people, what came through that inoculation of Christ, the transformation that would take place, the missionary journeys that he would go on, the things that he was willing to endure so that people would have the opportunity to hear the good news. See, Paul wanted to make sure that that virus would spread, and he did just that. But what about us today? What about us who call ourselves disciples? Have you been infected with the live strain? You've been infected with the dead strain of Christianity. If it's a live strain, who have we infected? You know, it's kind of interesting. Back to the iPhone, it, was one of the, it could have been one of those one-time things. So, like so many other flashy gadgets that we have had through time, got a, a couple on this next slide. Now, this one at the uh, top of the slide. Go ahead and give it another click there, Marshall. Anybody tell me what that is? Oh my gosh, we got a couple of old timers in the group. Chemistry, sophomore year in high school. You know what uh, calculators are, right? That was it. <laughs> it's a slide rule. And I, if somebody handed me one today, there's absolutely, I, I guarantee you, there's no way I can figure out how to use the thing again. We had this uh, cheerleader, I had this cheerleader in my class, Linda Nokel, whose dad was a doctor. And uh, she cruised on into class with a, the very first Texas instrument calculator. 
And the thing that's amazing is back then in 1970, where the heck was that? Sarah was 74-75, I think. She walked into class with this calculator, and we're all sitting there with our slide rules making our calculations. She's like, boom, done. I'm like, what the heck is up with this? That thing cost 150 bucks back then. You can pick the same calculator up or something like it. They did the simple functions. You can go into a 99-cent store and get one today. Now, uh, I think you guys probably know what this next one is. But what happened to the slide rule? It's gone. What's that? It was funny. We had our little uh, thing with the uh, teens, uh, family ministry night a few weeks back. And, you know, we had the uh, teens of the youth and the teens of the parents. And the youth thought it was an alarm clock or something like that, which I guess you could probably use it like that. What's the uh, next one there, Marshall? You guys remember the Seiko pager watches? Revolutionized the pager industry! I, I remember being in Orange County and Bruce Williams handed those things out. And I, I felt like I was on a leash. But anyways, we're not going to go there. Uh, next slide. Anybody tell me what that is? <laughs> 1974! Very first Motorola cell phone. Weighed about two and a half pounds, right, Henry? What, what is that battery? That big old monster battery lasted about what? Half an hour? I mean, it had a half an hour battery life. But you know, it's kind of interesting today. Did you ever notice the situation with the iPhone that they're identified by a number and then a number and a letter now? Current iPhones, what? iPhone five. Yeah, you know, we all know that, you know, we're waiting in the wings for the next one, the iPhone 5S. Anybody tell me when that's coming out? Yeah, they're, they're saying June, and there may be a 6 come November. And the reason for that, obviously, is if they're going to stay viable, they're going to stay current, if they're going to stay viral, they have to stay ahead of what everybody else is doing. And we know that uh, Android technology, the Samsung phones, uh, they're starting to give uh, Apple a little bit of a run for the money there. But to go viral... The iPhone has to keep maturing or growing up. Otherwise, it's going to go the way of the other stuff that we looked at on that slide. It's just going to disappear. You know, honestly, it's the same thing with Christianity, guys. In Ephesians 4, verse 7, it reads, However, He has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Dropping down to verse 11. It says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we've all become, or we've all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we'll be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we'll be no longer immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. Who is the head of His body? The church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts to grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing, and full of love. You know, what's God's goal? God's goal is that we are all exact replicas of Jesus Christ. 
So much so that people will come up with this derogatory term to label us. If someone is a replica of Christ and does what Christ does, what do you think a good name would be? Little Christ, Christian. You know, that's what actually took place in the book of Acts. We see that transition. As this thing went viral, the followers of Christ became known as Christians. And it wasn't a good thing. It wasn't a cool little term. It was a slam that they were just like this guy who was hanging out with drunkards, swindlers, sinners, who ended up dying on a cross. It wasn't a compliment. But you know what? If we're living in accordance with Christ, that is the name that we should be using. That is what we should be accomplishing. You know, it says in verse 13, if we're really a replica of Christ and do what He does and are true Christians, it says we will come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Guess what? That is the case. There's absolutely no reason for what took place 2,000 years ago to take place today. We should be going viral today. I think with us, too, notice it's not all about us individuals. It is all about us being a part of the body of Christ. God's family, this new family, growing together, whole, healthy, and full of love. And as you sit here today, you've got to ask yourselves, are you infected Are you viral? Are you contagious? If not, why not? And if you're visiting with us today, do you want this virus called true Christianity? See, the thing that's cool about that is we've said if it's contagious, it's just a matter of coming into contact, spending some time with each other, getting into the Bible, taking a look at what the Bible says. If you're here visiting with us today, We've got men and women throughout this auditorium that are more than capable of spreading that infection to you. And, you know, we talk about infections. It's kind of, it sounds kind of, oh, do I want an infection? But don't you want to be infected with Christ? Because ultimately what happened with Him? He was sinless. After He died, He was able to resurrect from the dead because wage, the wages of sin didn't have a hold on Him. He went back to heaven. And if we're infected, truly infected with that live virus, guess what? Each of us will have the opportunity to spend eternity with heaven and God as well. So when it comes to the members of the South Bay Church here, how many of you guys are capable of sitting down with somebody, opening the Bible, and showing them what it means to be a disciple? Take a look around. Your visitors with us today, you're within arm's reach of someone that can help you get this infection and become like Christ. You're going viral. What does this look like, practically? I think it's really awesome today is after the service is done, we're going to head out to the parking lot, have a tailgate party, get some good grub going on, and then we're going to have the opportunity to get out into our local neighborhoods. We've got a can drive that will be taking place, and at the same time, we'll have the opportunity to really be infectious throughout our community and invite others on out to hear the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen? Right now, uh, we're just going to go ahead and transition into uh, our communion here. Let's go ahead and bow our heads. Take a moment to think about what Jesus Christ has done for you personally in your lives.
Oh, Father, uh, coming before you this morning is such an incredible honor to be able to even pray to you, uh, knowing that the words that come out of my mouth are heard by you. And because of Jesus Christ and his willingness to spread the good news, I have the opportunity today to have that same ability today, living a transformed life, having Jesus work in my life, marriage to the full, great relationship with my kids, the opportunity to be a part of the body of Christ, the, this incredible group of brothers and sisters here that make up the South Bay Church. Father, thank you so much for even thinking of us. Thank you so much for coming down from heaven to give us the opportunity to know you, to have our sins forgiven. Know that Jesus was willing to actually come down here, walk on this planet for 33 years, preach his message for three of those years, and then ultimately die for my sins, to die for our sins so that we would have the opportunity to spend eternity in heaven with you. Father, I'm so unworthy, but I'm so grateful for the grace that you're willing to extend through Christ. As we take this opportunity to take the bread and the fruit of the vine this morning, pray that we can contemplate on what a merciful God you are, what a loving God you are, and the incredible Son, Jesus Christ, that you sent us to forgive us of our sins. Father, I love you. Thank you for this time. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.